You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. It is so good to be back. It's been like 24 hours since I talked to y'all, and I need my therapy session. So, let's talk about what's going on in the big wide world of sports. Uh, We obviously got our first... I guess big move by the Green Bay Packers and extending Mason Crosby. We'll talk a bit about that. I got a lot of stuff from yesterday I never uh, touched on, so we'll continue on with all those goodies. Um, at least one other comment from Gutekunst that I left out, and some stuff from around the NFL and possibly some questions. I, I, it's a huge list. We'll just see what happens. But I'm also extremely excited because we are currently up to 97 patrons. There was a point in time where I just said, look, we're not going to make it, and that stinks, and i got to come up with a plan B. But we burned the ships, we're forging ahead, and we are currently at 97. I don't remember where exactly I left off, but yesterday we got Tommy, we got Patrick, we got Cuddle Shark, and we got Nathan. Four people jumped on Patreon yesterday, so I'm very, very excited and very optimistic that in the next, what do we got? It's a leap year, so we got an extra day. Including today, we got ourselves a solid week. So in seven days, I'm hopeful that we can have three more people jump in on Patreon. Again, you can get in for as little as a dollar a month. I promise you, you won't miss it if it really is a burden to you. Or if you just don't like the show, you don't have to do it. But you just you can cancel it, and then you only lost a buck. I've been doing a lot of that lately. I've been joining all kinds of stuff, and I figure, you know what? Most of these NFL subscriptions, with the exception of like PFF and Game Pass, it's like five, ten bucks. If I hate it, I won't do it next month. So jump in for a buck. And again, at the end of this month, we're going to be doing a giveaway because I'm confident we're getting those three more. The way that the giveaway works is every dollar is an entry into this contest. I will randomly pick one winner from those names. And if you win, I'm going to ask you what t-shirt you would like to have designed for you. It's got to be Green Bay Packers centric. It's got to be family friendly. If you wouldn't give it to your kids or your grandma, I'm probably not going to design it for you. I was asked yesterday if I'd be willing to design a shirt that says something to the effect of carries the G with fire symbols and my face on it, I would be uh, offended and repulsed, but uh, yeah, I think I would allow that. I I think I might. Hopefully you can come up with something better than that. But anyways, uh, I will then go out and have that designed for you. I will put that on a t-shirt. I will send it out to you for free, and it will then be sold out of the, uh, the merch store. So very excited to get that done. Otherwise, make sure you get in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. And if you want to support the show but have no desire to give me any of your hard-earned money, leaving a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher would be very greatly appreciated. And if that just sounds horrible to you as well, maybe just bring it up in conversation sometime. Have you tried the burger? I don't know. Have you tried the Packernet Podcast? See? It's just that easy. It's kind of like mirroring, 
except in this instance, you completely ignore what the other person is saying and redirect the conversation the way you want it to go. So it's a pretty good strategy. You should try it out. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a little break, and we'll kick it off talking about this Mason Crosby contract. Well, the Cactus League spring training is already in full swing. they got all kinds of goodies going on. You might have even been able to see some of the highlights already. But as I've been trying to tell you, because I know there's somebody out there that was on the fence, and you were thinking about it, and now you can already see it's going on, and it's like, ah, well, maybe next year. You know what? Maybe you should man up, stop making lame excuses, and enjoy your life once in a while. What do you think about that? I like them apples. Because you know what? Pity parties aren't as fun as they sound. They don't even have cake most of the time. Sometimes they do. Point is, more fun than a pity party is spontaneously driving the family down to Arizona. You're going to have the opportunity to watch 15 different baseball teams, not all at the same time, but you know, you can pick a different one every day. You can cruise out to 10 different baseball stadiums all within 50 miles of the greater Phoenix area. You're going to be able to meet the players. You're going to be able to get autographs. The kids are going to love it. If you don't have kids, you'll probably love it. And if you don't, Fine, just go watch baseball, and then guess what? You got the whole rest of the day to yourself after baseball. You know why? Because it's a vacation, and you do what you want. Also, little known fact, calories don't count on vacation. You can eat as much as you want, and your diet will not be impacted whatsoever. Don't even bother asking your doctor. He's a liar anyways. But they've got great things like live music. they got museums. There's all kinds of outdoor adventures. You can go horseback riding. You can go up in a balloon if you Always wanted to be in a balloon because balloons are so cool. Whatever you want to do, they've got it. So go check out visitarizona.com slash springtraining and plan your getaway right this second. I can't, man. I got I got tendonitis. I got this shoulder thing. I went bowling yesterday and threw the ball in the gutter and, oh, my shoulder. Yeah, I know. I do that move too. Listen, you don't have to worry about it because I got the solution. It's called, it's called Cryo-Free CBD Biomax Health. If you're really serious about getting rid of the nagging muscle and joint pain right now, and at the same time want long-lasting recovery, then you got to check it out, man. Check out CryoFree CBD. It's a roll-on that was developed by Omax Health. No prescription required, triple action pain relief, and it is specifically formulated to block the pain receptors, reduce inflammation, improve muscle and joint flexibility. It is 100% natural. It is CBD-powered. And it works within 10 minutes of application, and you're going to get 8 hours of relief. Again, you might be able to get cake at a pity party, but it doesn't actually make you feel better. Grab you a roll-on, jump in the car. I promise I'll never do that again. But just just drive. You can't see all my hand motions, so I thought whistling would be a good idea, but it wasn't. And I apologize for that. Right now, Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on, plus free shipping. The discount also applies toward any product site-wide. So go to omaxhealth.com today and enter promo code OVERTIME. That's O-M-A-X-Health.com. Enter code OVERTIME to get 20% off CryoFreeze and anything you want on their site that they offer. Boom. And since I forgot to do it yesterday, let's just do it. Let's go ahead and eliminate that third excuse. I'm scared Antonio Brown's going to break into my house at night. He's going to come in, he's going to break into my fridge, and he's going to rub mayonnaise all over his body. I understand it. I get it. But listen up close. If this is a concern of yours, I've got a solution. It's called Simply Safe Home Security. If there is a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence that gives police an eyewitness account of the crime in action. 
This means that the police will be able to watch him rubbing the mayonnaise all over his body, and on average, they show up 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You're going to get comprehensive protection for your entire home. You're going to get outdoor cameras and doorbells that are going to alert you to anyone that's even approaching your home. So you're going to know. Like, oh, here he comes. Police are going to get in their car like, here we go. Here we go again. They've also got entry, motion, and glass break sensors that are going to protect the inside of your house. And beyond that, even if you live in a great neighborhood, there's always natural disasters, and Simply Safe has got you covered there. They're going to protect your home from fires, water damage, as well as carbon monoxide poisoning. This is 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. You can even get this set up by yourself with no tools needed, but if you're not into that, fine. Simply Safe will come out and do it for you. The best part about all this, it is only 50 cents a day, and there's no contract. Like I was just talking about, five bucks, who cares? 50 cents a day, do the math. 15 bucks, eh, don't really like it. Pretty good neighborhood. Turns out Antonio's actually kind of a cool guy. Don't want it, boom, you're done. Spend 15 bucks for peace of mind for a month. So right now, go to visit simplysafe.com slash overtime. You'll get free shipping on a 60-day risk-free trial. you got nothing to lose. Go now. Be sure to go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know that this show right here sent you. That is simplysafe.com slash overtime. Okie doke. I know, it was a lot, but now we don't have to take a second break, so quit crying. Let's start with Mr. Mason Carousebear. This one was uh, supposedly the most obvious one that was going to get done. Still always a little bit nervous, because anything's possible. Um, there were certainly some people that did not really want Mason Crosby. I had made the case that we should bring him back several times. Very simply, because number one, as a percentage of your cap, kickers cost almost nothing. I know Sir Grumps a lot on um, on Twitter. Try not to name people's name when they're, you know, when I'm saying negative things. But of course, when the news came that uh, Mason was getting a, what is this? It is a three-year contract worth $4.3 million. Now think about this. If we were to cut Mason Crosby, before we even delve into how little amount of money this is, this is this is a nothing contract, which is fantastic. Because, I mean, it's, it's great for Mason, but it is beyond great for the Green Bay Packers that he's willing to accept a $4.3 million contract. That's only three years long. But think about it. If we didn't decide to sign Mason Crosby, what is the cheapest we're going to be able to go out and get a kicker? I mean, granted, we could just go and hope sign an undrafted free agent and hope that he's not a nightmare, but let's just say we wanted to get somebody that was a solid kicker that we didn't have to worry about because we've seen, you know, the Vikings and we've seen the Bears and we've seen da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, 5, 10, 15 teams when they get rid of their kicker because they're so savvy, like the, the Bears when they got rid of Robbie Gold, thinking, oh, yeah, we're not paying that, and then they've just been in dire straits ever since to the point where they're considering drafting kickers because they have to. What, what are we going to sign a guy for? Seriously. Two million? So we're going to risk this to save two million dollars. Now, Sir Grumps a lot on Twitter used the figure of six million. Now, there's another comment that he made that I want to address as well, because he's he likes to fudge things to try to make it seem more dramatic than it is. He said six million dollars, and he would have rather used that six million elsewhere. Here's the problem. We don't know the contract structure I'd be willing to bet this is not a $6 million cap hit this year, meaning it's not going to cost us $6 million, so we wouldn't be saving $6 million to go out and find somebody else. His, his comment was something to the effect of, I'd rather save the $6 million and go find it somewhere else where we have a need. Okay, well, we're not going to save $6 million. More than likely, that is almost entirely a signing bonus. 
if it's a signing bonus and you distribute that across the three years, it, it automatically gets distributed evenly, which means it would be two million per year, which means it's two million this year, and then there would probably be some additional monies elsewhere, maybe like a million dollars for whatever. I'd be surprised if this is more than three million a three million dollar cap hit this year. So that's really not even how the money works. I mean, maybe that's what it means, but that's not what my interpretation of it was, and that's generally not how the Green Bay Packers structure their contracts, especially in a slightly cap-strapped year, to front-load a contract $6 million when it's a $4 million per year contract. That's just, it's dumb, and that's not what's happening. So this is a $4 million contract, and we're probably going to be paying less than $4 million this year, meaning, at best, you're going to save... A million bucks. So we should cut Mason Crosby so we can save about a million. Let's just be generous and call it $2 million to go out and address a real need at position. Or a real need at a different position like wide receiver or linebacker. What are you even talking He just likes to complain and apparently pretend that he hasn't noticed how dire it is when you cut people. He also is very nonspecific. The Packers were dumb for doing this. Okay, well, give me a name. He won't because then if you give a name, we can all fact check him and say, hey, yeah, yeah. So-and-so did sign that guy. He's not doing too good, is he? But no, he's just going to sit by, and then one of two things is going to happen. Mason's going to have a great year. People are going to call him out, and he's going to say, so what? It's still not worth the money. Or Mason has a bad year, and he's going to pull up his old tweets and say, see, I told you so. So he likes to put himself in complainy situations where he can't lose. It's just, it's it's very annoying. And again, he's not even getting basic math right, and I have to assume he's been around doing this long enough that he understands he's flat-out lying. Either that or he's been doing this for a long time and he still doesn't understand how these contracts work, which is kind of embarrassing considering I've been doing this podcast for like, this is what, year three? I've pretty much got it figured out because it's not that complicated. In fact, three years, 13 million is exactly the contract that I laid out for you. Somebody had mentioned that on Twitter. Isn't that what you said it was going to be? And I thought I actually said it would be higher. Maybe this is just the number that SpotTrack had. I went and looked on SpotTrack. They don't have an estimate. Maybe they just took it down. Uh, but either way, that was the figure that I used. And, but, okay, so let's pivot away from Sir Grouch a lot. The bottom line is this is a very, very uh, low contract. Now, somebody had mentioned this is the, they mentioned he is the fourth highest paid kicker. So you, or excuse me, third highest paid kicker. Justin Tucker averages 5 million. Robbie Gold averages 4.7. Mason Crosby right now is 4.3. So how can you say it's not a lot of money? That's a ton of money. He's the third highest paid kicker. Okay, but again, we have to keep this in the context of $200 million. This is not by any stretch of the imagination a monstrous contract. In fact, when I did my, um, you may have heard the, the episode a while ago, position cap percentages, where I looked at what percentage of the cap people had had. I think I had gotten it from over the cap, but I had done the math myself about what, what it would be based on 2020 value. And I had 20 different players. The 20th highest contract ever handed out adjusted for 2020 dollars is 4.6 million so mason isn't even in the top 20 right now i don't even i'd have to keep going out a ways to get down to 4.3 million in fact even active contracts now if we get rid of mason crosby we're looking at one two three there's four contracts currently that are in the top 20 all time or at least as far back as as over the cap goes might have been spot track i don't know and that would be from lowest to highest. Chris Boswell in 2018 getting 4.2 million would be the equivalent of 4.8 this year. Graham Gano 4.2 is 4.8. Robbie Gold with the 49ers in 2019 signed a 4.7 contract, which would be a cool 5 million this year. Mason Crosby's last contract, we might as well mention it, 
was for $4 million, which in and of itself, he got $4 million in 2016. We're four years later, and he got $4.2, what is it? I keep forgetting, $4.3 million. So Mason Crosby's, let's just do this. Mason Crosby's last contract in today's dollars was the equivalent of $5.2 million. If we just paid him the same amount of money as last time, which I think I said wouldn't even be that big of a deal, it would be $5.2 million. And then Justin Tucker in 2019, last year, got a $5 million contract, which in today's dollars is $5.4 million. But that's only the seventh highest contract. Adam Vinatieri in 2005 got a contract worth today's dollars, 5.8. Steven Guskowski in 2015 got a contract in today's dollars that would be worth $6 million. Sebastian, Sebastian Janikowski's last two contracts, his 2013 contract was worth in today's dollars 6.2 and in 2010, same thing, 6.2. And the highest ever was Phil Dawson's contract in 2012, which was a $3.8 million per year contract. But again, that was 2012. In today's dollars, it would be worth about 6.4. So you're not even talking about coming close to breaking the bank unless you start at $5 million. If you want monster contract, we're at $6 million. This is 4.3. We're not even in the top 20, cat. This this is a very team-friendly deal. Again, Mason Crosby's last contract was adjusted for today's dollars worth $5.2 million. He just got $4.3. This is such an easy decision. The Packers are getting him on a massive discount. It's only three years. It's something they don't have to worry about. You're not hardly going to get any kickers for much less than this. This is so beyond a no-brainer unless you just don't like Mason Crosby. If you think last year was a fluke and he's just going to fall off again. But again, you got to keep things in context. A lot of times Packer fans are only focused on the Green Bay Packers and are not looking at the big picture. Go look around the league at how many teams are struggling to find kickers that are just not garbage. That are not regularly losing games for their team. Having to fire this guy and hire this guy and go out and get this guy. And by the way, every time you keep flipping and flopping around, trying to find the next big guy, like the 49ers wanting to keep Robbie Gold around, having to give him a $5 million contract... And by the way, uh, Robbie's three years older than Mason Crosby. He's 38 years old. That's kind of crazy, actually. So it's not just an age thing. And by the way, both of those guys, in, in fact, Graham Gano, some of, some of the active contracts, Graham Gano, Robbie Gold, and Justin Tucker, not only were they more per year on average for adjusted dollars, but they're all four-year contracts. Same with Chris Boswell. So Chris Boswell, Graham Gano, Robbie Gold, and Justin Tucker are the four biggest contracts that are currently active contracts, all bigger than Mason Crosby's, and all of them were four-year contracts. This Again, there's nothing to complain about with this contract. I don't understand complaining about this. But anyways, I'm guessing most of you don't need uh, any more convincing on that, but that is the situation. There's a little bit of a hold-your-breath thing because, number one, it's possible he ends up getting cut or they just don't come to an agreement, whatever. Number two is that he gets a mega contract, and if it's $6 million, it kind of gets to that point where it's like, you know, this is a lot. But again, it's not $6 million. $6 million in the first year, most of that is going to be cold, hard cash in his pocket, but that has nothing to do with our salary cap. $6 million, if it is in um, signing bonus, would mean $2 million in signing bonus, and then that would be the starting point, although if it's $6 million total, uh, it's probably going to be less than that in signing because you're going to have some salary and everything else, but it, it's, it's going to be something to that effect. I, I'm, I'm looking at in and around 2 to $3 million cap hit in the first year, probably. But again, the details aren't for sure. We'll see what happens. Speaking of not-for-sure news, it was announced officially but unofficially that the Green Bay Packers are going to be hosting the 2022 NFL Draft. Now, there's a big controversy about it, which is actually kind of funny 
because there was two other controversies online about people pretending and faking things. Um, number one was Trey Wingo inexplicably saying that there was a bear outside his window. And the internet freaked out for a while, like, oh, wow, that's crazy, dude. There's a bear outside your window, wow. Until somebody found out that this was a picture from 2017. So, I don't know, man. People, they just get they get lost in that, that Twitter clout world. I just don't understand that. And then you had Brian Baldinger, although I don't think this was as much of a scandal, but he had posted, okay, here's the... Uh, Here's the salary cap numbers for each team, which, by the way, they were wrong, but the numbers were taken directly from over the cap. And he's like, no, 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 I got this directly from the NFL, and it's literally the exact same thing. But it looks like what it was is the NFL produced a pamphlet to hand out to the media, and it was the NFL that had ripped off over the cap and then sent that out to everyone. So it's just this weird world out there. But anyway, oh, oh, and then and controversy number three-ish, four-ish, is the fact that Kyle, what's his name, I have no idea how you say his last name, had announced that uh, the Packers were going to have the 2022 draft, and then somebody else had said, hey, I said it first, and then that became a thing. I Man, it's a weird day yesterday for uh, personalities. Either way, here's my interpretation. The word did get out. I tend to think that both of these gentlemen had heard the news that the Packers got it, but as we know, the, the NFL teams, I mean, we, we always get news before the team announces it, always. It's always this happened, and then like hours later, sometimes the next day, you'll see the same people saying, okay, and here's the official release from the Packers. That always happens. So there's got to be some kind of official thing. Maybe there's not any finality to it. There's got to work out a couple details and do this and that before we can announce it, meaning there's a slight chance it could get canceled, I guess. But I think it's basically official. It may just be one of those things where the Green Bay Packers got the call, hey, guess what? We're going to do it in 2022, but now they have to start the process of working out the details, right? Which could take quite a while, which means we may not get an official word for some time, or maybe it'll happen today. I don't know. But I I genuinely believe it's going to happen, which is very, very exciting, and I 100% expect to be there, and I look forward to seeing a lot of you there. Super jacked up for the 2022 draft. The crazy thing about that as well, uh, you know, obviously the Packers could settle their quarterback thing this year or next year it's entirely possible but the thing is the the Aaron Rodgers situation kind of starts to get I guess questionable starting around 2022 in terms of when can the Packers actually move on from Aaron Rodgers it kind of starts around 2022-2023 so 2022 is if the Packers don't have a quarterback by 2020 or 2021 2022 is kind of like all right dude kind of got to pull the trigger right now because if you want this guy to learn from Aaron Rodgers for any period of time it's kind of now or never that is unless Aaron Rodgers is getting another extension in 2022 or 23 and 23 which is possible but in 2022 we're looking at Aaron Rodgers getting paid 39.8 million dollars now I've talked about it already it's one of those things where granted that sounds more now than what it will in a couple years but that's still a lot of money man $40 $40 million? And usually when you see that, you get guys that are, have those kinds of structures and, you know, the there's still $17 million in dead cap if they were to trade them or cut them or whatever. I'm not saying I want that. I'm just talking out loud here. But that's still $25.5 million in saving. Which also, by the way, kind of speaks to why this year and next year might be a good time for the Packers to get a quarterback. And beyond that, 
not because we want to necessarily replace Aaron Rodgers, but you set up a structure be, that 2022 is decision point. You can't do anything with Aaron Rodgers in 2020 or 2021 in terms of cutting or trading. You can't. In 2022, you can. The point is, though, when you structure a contract this way, you want to put yourself in a position that you can evaluate things and make a decision, should we move on or should we continue on with Aaron Rodgers? You want to be in that position that you can at least ask the question. If you don't even have a quarterback to evaluate, what a waste. You're paying $40 million to Aaron Rodgers because you have to, not because it's the right prudent move. So from that standpoint, it it's it kind of makes a lot of sense, especially when we talked about what we talked about yesterday where Brian Gutekunst is saying, I don't know, it's a pretty deep class. Again, at the latest, 2021, you got them sitting for a year to be able to make that decision. And then in 2023, so 2022 is the first year in which you can kind of, you know, evaluate things. 2023, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal as far as his contract anymore. He's only 39, which in quarterback years these days doesn't mean much. And his cap hit is only 28, which is really low when we're talking about 2023. He's going to be one of the lower paid quarterbacks. And actually, he probably isn't going to want to play under that. He's probably going to start talking about, listen, you want me to stick around, I expect an infusion of cash. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, his base salary is actually $25 million. It's pretty high. There just aren't any guarantees. So he might be fine with that. But either way, again, now we're in a situation where if you did want to move on, for whatever reason, again, 39 is not even that old, it's only a dead cap hit of $2.8 million. And again, it's a savings of $25.5 million. So they structured it so that in either case, in 2022 or 2023, they have the ability to save $25.5 million. So I know it's not a fun conversation. We're, tr- we're trying to talk about winning a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, the point is, let's put that excitement of winning this year on hold and let's just have a conversation about the future because Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play when I'm in my 50s, right? I mean, you and I as fans plan on being fans for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 1,000 years. In other words, as long as we're around here. So let's discuss the future. Once in a while, and then we'll go back to, you know, we love Aaron Rodgers, because we do, because he's a great quarterback, and he is. It's just a real conversation that has to happen at some point. It's just it's just about making prudent decisions, right? It's not about let's draft a quarterback so we can get rid of this bum. That's not what I'm saying or anybody's saying. It's just about what is the prudent thing to do, and I think the prudent thing is that either this year or next year, we should have a relatively high um, a high round quarterback, or maybe even somewhat of a veteran, or I, I don't know, I mean, veteran doesn't make that much sense but somebody should be there so that when when 2022 rolls around we're able to evaluate are we still comfortable continuing with Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback if yes great then I guess we'll pay him 40 million oh we're not paying him that he's getting 25 million plus a half a million dollar workout bonus so yeah he's getting I mean he's getting 25 million but the cap hit will be 40 million dollars which is just crazy and if not then again we're going to save $25.5 million out of that deal. How did we even get here? I have no idea how Aaron Rodgers came up. Whatever, it came up. Um, I want to very briefly talk about um, something I missed in the Brian Gutekunst discussion, and that was talks about Alan Lazar. The two biggest things that came up, number one, is he going to be moved to tight end? I, I don't understand that. I, I would understand that if we were talking last year in training camp. But the fact that he played played wide receiver and played well is just weird. I mean, just it, it, maybe it's just me, but I'm not, you know, you got a good thing. Why mess it up? But there's another quote, and I want to specifically look at a tweet from Ryan Wood because of the way he phrased this, I want to kind of give my thoughts on it. 
So the quote is within his tweet, but he said, Gutekunst stopped short of saying Lazard separated himself from other wide receivers not named Devontae Adams, but, quote, Allen did the things you need to do at the right times. Third downs, big games. Not everybody's built for that, and I thought he did a really good job at the end of the year. So the only reason I want to bring that up is because I know how people get hyped about players. I like Alan Lazar, but let's remember everything he described very well describes Geronimo Allison the year before. He did the right things at the right times, third downs, big games. Not everyone's built for that. Now, do I think Alan Lazard is a better receiver than Geronimo? Yes, and not just because he was better this year. I think what he did this year is better than Geronimo than anything Geronimo did any of the years. But I just want you to remember how excited you got about Geronimo those times back when you thought Geronimo was the man and how this year not a single Packer fan outside of Geronimo's mom wants Geronimo on this team anymore. So I'm very excited about having a guy like Alan Lazard as a complimentary piece, as a guy that can do those things, who does a lot of things really, really well, while also still solving the, the bigger wide receiver issue and getting a, a just a better player. Because having Devontae and fill-in favorite draft wide receiver here and Lazard is a very exciting combination in my mind so I I guess it's just kind of my interpretation of what Gutekunst had said because it's always a matter of you know trying to read between the lines a little bit and I think this is a way of complimenting while not definitively saying like he's a great wide receiver he just highlighted the specific things that he did that was really great in other words he did certain things very well, which is absolutely true, but let's not act like, and I, and I also think that Gutekunst is not just stop of, stopping short of saying he was the number two wide receiver, because obviously he was. He's stop of, stopping short of saying, this is our number two wide receiver, or he gives me confidence so that we don't have to address wide receiver. He's already said we have to address wide receiver, so we already know that this is true, but again, bringing it up because people get super jacked. Like, he already said he's a great wide receiver. We don't need anybody else. Told you. No, no, he didn't say that. He's being very complimentary of a guy that did a great job last year so that he doesn't have to be honest and say he was good, but not good enough. That would be my interpretation of that. So one other thing I want to do, and I've mentioned this, the unnamed grouch on Twitter is the perfect example of my mind of a guy that does not put things in proper context. A lot of fans look at failures and say, look at all these failures, isn't that terrible? If you were good at your job, you wouldn't have all these failures. If you were good at your job, you wouldn't have to sign Mason Crosby. You could let him walk and go out and find a good kicker, even though we know that generally most GMs can't do that because the fact of the matter is there's only so many that are good. There's not 32 kickers that are solid in the NFL, so when you find them, you have to keep them. So that's a flawed thinking. But here's another example of that. I'll read the tweet. The Packers have selected 29 players in the past three drafts. Only six, not counting punter J.K. Scott and long snapper Hunter Bradley, which, by the way, is nonsense. Why are you not counting them? We drafted them, and they're playing. So I'm adding them. That's eight in three drafts. Continuing on. So let's try this again. Only eight have contributed in any meaningful way. They are J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley, Kevin King, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, and Elton Jenkins. Just reading that, having the proper context, if you read that, you're thinking that's pretty solid haul in three years. But this individual doesn't think so. Only 29, or excuse me, only 8, if we do it properly, out of 29, which is 28%. Nearly a third of all picks have been contributors. <sighs> but again, let's just look at some of the context, all right? Because the, the, the point is, and again, Fans, especially when you're just focused in on your team, you look at all these draft picks, you get excited about all these players, and then they don't pan out, and it's like, dude, 
we didn't have hardly anybody from that draft class that was any good. And I think I've done this before, but let's look at the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs over the last three years. Now, 2017, obviously, Pat Mahomes, right? Great pick. Who else did they have from the 2017 class? Tano Passigno. He is playing. He is terrible. Kareem Hunt is gone. Jihu Chesson. Don't even think he's still on the team. Ukeme Iligwe, fifth-round pick linebacker, not on the team. Leon McQuay, safety in the sixth round, no longer on the team. So four out of six picks are not even on this team. One of them is Pat Mahomes, who's very good. One of them is Tano Passigno, who is really bad. That was 2017. These are the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Had one good pick out of six. Let's look at 2018. They drafted Breland Speaks. He was terrible in 2018. He was on IR in 2019. Derek Nadi, defensive tackle. Is he playing a lot? Yes. Is he one of the worst defensive tackles in football? Yes, he is. He was ranked 88th overall out of all defensive tackles. How about linebacker Dorian O'Daniel? He's in his second year. He played 20 total snaps. He is sixth on the list of, uh, of their depth chart. They drafted safety Armani Watt. He's ranked 80th out of all safeties, and he is number one, two, three, four, five on their depth chart, so he's not really playing very much. Then they drafted wide receiver Tremont Smith, who is no longer on the team. And then they drafted Khalil McKenzie, who I also believe is no longer on the team. So in 2018, they drafted, and again, you got to wait and see how it goes, but currently the 2018 draft class, complete bust. Zero, zero quality contender. In 2019, again, it's very new, but you compare it to the, the Packers draft class, they have Mikol Hardman, wide receiver. He's number four on their death chart, was graded as the 50th best wide receiver. So maybe you could put him on the list of not being too terrible. He had a 68 overall grade. They drafted safety Juan Thornhill, which seemed like a pretty good pickup. Ranked 32nd, so he's a starter. And then they drafted Kalen Saunders, who got a decent amount of snaps, but is graded as the 101st overall defensive tackle. So he and Derek Nadi are the two other defensive tackles next to Chris Jones. They've been drafted in the last three years, and they're both absolutely horrible. They drafted cornerback Rashad Fenton who only got 244 snaps, but maybe is somewhat promising. Hard to tell with 200 snaps. Based on the fact that he's a sixth-round pick, I would guess probably not so much. They drafted Darwin Thompson, 71st overall running back, a 56 overall grade, so below average. That was no good. And then Nick Allegretti, who got nine total snaps on this offensive line and had a 62 overall grade. So in three years, how did the Kansas City Chiefs do? The Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. As best as I can tell, in three years, they got Pat Mahomes and Juan Thornhill. There is not a single other player that they've drafted in the last three years that I'm looking at saying, you know what, I wish we had that guy. Not one. Pat Mahomes, which was their old GM, by the way. The last GM got quite a few good players. The new GM kind of garbage. In the last two years under their new GM, they've got Juan Thornhill and maybe nobody else. Again, it's too early to tell, but let's, again, keep it in its proper context. So now let's read again that tweet. Keeping in the context of what the, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs done in the, have done in the last three years, let's read this tweet again. The Packers have selected 29 players in the last three drafts. Only eight contributed in any meaningful way. J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley, Kevin King, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins. Oh, no, Crimea River. Listen, I, I, I stand by what I've said. The draft is filled with players that are just not good. We get excited and act like there's 100 players in every draft that are just dominant, elite football players, but the fact of the matter is there's just not. And if you can come away with a couple that are really solid contributors, good on you. 
That's what you have to do to succeed. I mean, if you look at the 49ers draft, you want to know why they're doing so well. A lot of it has to do with drafting super early for several years in a row. But there's some really good pickups here. Being able to hit on guys like George Kittle in the fifth round. You know, you know, Mike McGlinchey at number nine overall. Getting Debo Samuel at 36. Granted, that's still a second-round pick. But, but they've been, lo- been able to load up through the draft. But even they don't, they've got so many misses here. So many misses. I'm not going to go through the list because it's boring to just list off names all day long. But again, if you want to know if the Packers are doing a good or a bad job, and you want to call them out and say they're doing a, a uniquely bad job of finding talent in the draft, you have to go out and compare that to what everybody else is doing. Because otherwise it's just nonsense. You're holding them to a standard that's impossible. Out of 29 picks, you should have 50% hit rate. Nobody gets a 50% hit rate. Maybe one team in one draft goes nuts and they get 50, 60, 70% of these guys as hits, which is what transforms their, you know, the Legion of Boom draft for the Seattle Seahawks or whatever. They they get seven picks and four of them are hits. That's, That's great. But you can't do that consistently over the course of two, three, four, five years. Nobody does. If you can be any bit consistent year to year and just finding one or two, that's impressive. I mean, do we even have to go to the Bears? Granted, they haven't had as many picks, so they've had it harder, but let me let me let you in on a little secret. How many picks you have also has to do with your GM. That's one of the complicated things I had when I wanted to give away grades is it's not fair to compare one guy that's had a ton of picks and especially a lot of high picks compared to a team that has a lot of, of uh, lower picks or whatever, but... Part of that equation is, not necessarily if you draft later, that means you're a better team, but if you have less picks, that's part, partly your, your GM's fault. It's, it's, it's <laughs> the fact that the, the Bears didn't have a pick until the third round last year and don't have a first-round pick this year is the GM's fault. The point is, this is just how it goes. And I actually think the Bears do a, a decent job of drafting. As much as I think they do a terrible job of, of managing... I mean, they're, they're the epitome of a team that just needs more picks. I mean, Mitch Trubisky was obviously a nightmare, but Shaheen was a pretty good pick if he didn't have the injury issues. They got Eddie Jackson in the fourth round and then Tariq Cohen. They got two hits in the fourth round. Eddie Jackson was wildly overrated, but it was he's still a good safety, especially for a fourth-round safety. And then again, Tariq Cohen, not an elite player, but for a fourth-round running back, he's solid. They got James Daniels and Anthony Miller. Belial Nichols in the fifth isn't bad. Even guys, you know, Javon Wims is a guy that can is at least playing. David Montgomery in the third in 2019. But they just, they can't manage their picks. And again, what about Riley Ridley? He's no good. What about Duke Shelley? What about Kareth White? What about Stefan Denmark? What about Mitch Trubisky? Jordan Morgan? Kylie Fitz? Joel Uyegbuniwe? Everybody has misses, man. And I, I just, just, just don't be that person. It's fine to critique the team. I don't have a problem with that. But do it in an honest way. You know, when, when it got to the point where Ted Thompson wasn't drafting well, and that, that was fairly obvious. You know, that 2015 draft to Marius Randall, Quentin Rollins, Ty Montgomery, Jake Ryan, Brett Hundley, Aaron Ripkowski, Christian Ringo, Kennard, Backman. I mean, it could have been worse, but that was pretty brutal. He followed it up with Kenny Clark, which was great, but then Jason Spriggs, Kyler Fackrell, Blake Martinez, Dean. I mean, even that isn't that. I don't know. However, 2017 might even be the worst because, again, and not to rub it in certain people's faces, but we had T.J. Watt, who was maybe the best pass rusher in football last year. Decided not to draft him, trade back, get Kevin King, who, you know, is fine, whatever. Not as good as T.J. Watt, but is fine. Then we got Josh Jones in the second, terrible. Montrevious Adams, who's been terrible. We got Vince Beagle, who didn't even make it through the year, I don't think. Then we got Jamal Williams, who was solid. D'Angelo Lance, Yancey, who was not. Aaron Jones, who's great. Kofi Amicia, 
not good. Devontae May is not good. Malachi Dupree, not good. All right, it, it, you get to a point where it's like, all right, you know what? Maybe we should make a move. But, it, I mean, it's hard to even critique Ted Thompson too much because, again, you know, one, two, three hits out of out of ten, that's one in three. It's not too bad. I think a big part of the problem was missing early. You know, the Demarius Randall picks, the Dayton Joneses, the Nick Perrys, the Derek Sherrods. That got uh, that got a little tiring. But anyways, again, there's nothing wrong with critiquing things if you feel like there's not, there, there's a reason to critique. But you have to start taking things into proper context. If you don't like something that's going on, fine. Go out and do the homework to compare it to what everyone else is doing. Again, I mean, he went on an, this, this person went on a tirade about how much money Crosby got and how ridiculous it is. It's not that much money. But anyways, so I thought I'd address it because that also came across my Twitter feed. And it's like, why are you the way that you are? Honest negative critiques are fine. Dishonest negative critiques are very upsetting. And again, please stop calling Mason Crosby the third highest paying kick, paid kicker. I mean, he technically is, but again, you have to keep it. The money always goes up. Right? It's just like when, when a, a guy's going to end up getting a bigger contract than Aaron Rodgers. It's not true that everybody should be under Aaron Rodgers' average for as long as Aaron Rodgers has his contract. Otherwise, it's just a garbage thing. Oh, that's not fair. Aaron Rodgers is better, and he's not getting paid as much. Dude, the cap goes up. you got to start looking in terms of percentages. right? That's like I talked about with Russell Wilson. He, he wanted to have a little bit more than Aaron Rodgers, so he got that like half a million more because then it's like, yeah, I, I deserve to be paid more. Dude, you got duped because as a percentage, Rodgers gets a lot more than you. He got more of the bag. He got more respect in that moment, in that year of, we're going to give you this percentage of our salary cap. I mean, is it true that, that, again, is it right to compare guys getting contracts now to what Deion Sanders got back in the day? Or how about Barry Sanders? You got guys that are nowhere near as good as Barry Sanders, and they get, what, 10, 20, 10, 12, 13 million dollar contracts? It's like, dude, that's not right. Barry only got six. How dare you give more than Barry? You're saying he's, so if you give a, a $13 million contract to someone, does that mean that they're twice as good as Barry Sanders? That's not right. No, dumb dumb, because that was back in 1997. Barry Sanders getting $6.5 million is the equivalent today of getting $31 million. Todd Gurley getting 16.2 is only 14th on this list. Stop it. Not how this works. Anyways, what else? I, I mentioned we got an additional sixth round pick already. Um, how about this one? There's now talk that apparently Austin Hooper, the tight end that a lot of people want, is looking for about $11 million. Now, again, in the there's two ways to look at this. Number one, grand scheme of things, is that a massive amount of money? No, not really. Now, if we just look at it in terms of current contracts, it seems like a lot. Right now, the highest average is $10 million. And so you'll look at it and you say, dude, Travis Kelsey is getting 9.3, but you want me to pay 11 for Austin Hooper? No, thank you. I get it, but Travis Kelsey signed his in 2016. The equivalent of that in today's dollars would be $12 million. So it's technically $1 million less than Travis Kelsey got. If you look at the biggest of the big, massive, you know, never been done before, highest topped out contract, if somebody were to sign, like if, if, if Kelsey were to sign a contract today or Kittle were to sign a contract today, what would it be worth? It'd be worth about $15 million. Jimmy Graham signed a $15 million contract. And Rob Gronkowski signed a $15 million contract. Those are the only two times a, a tight end has signed a, a contract that high. The next highest, again, we're adjusting for 2020, was Julius Thomas in 2015 got the equivalent of a $12.8 million contract. And again, $11 million doesn't make the top 20 on this list. The Seahawks in 2011 paid Zach Miller uh, $6.8 million, which is the equivalent of 11.2. Mercedes Lewis with the Jaguars that same year got 11.2. 
Jared Cook with the Rams in 2013 got 11.4. Jermichael Finley with the Packers, by the way, 2012, 11.6. So, I mean, it, so that that's one way to look at it. Is it a massive amount of money? It's a big contract. There's no question about it. But it, we can't look at it as what is it compared to everybody else because everything shifts. Everything shifts. The other question, though, and the other thing we have to look at is, okay, but in, in terms of actual dollars, can the Packers afford it? I think the answer is technically yes, but I don't really think they will because they have to be thrifty with the amount of money they have. Now, remember, $11 million per year means the Packers would probably only actually pay them in terms of cap hit. Cash dollars, it would be more than 11 but most of that would be signing bonus, which gets redistributed throughout the, the length of the contract. Generally, you're paying about maybe a third of that average in the first year. So maybe we would pay them about $4 million. So yes, the Packers could afford that. The question is, are they going to give the bag to another tight end? And if you think about it, if we're cutting Jimmy Graham, we're saving what, like $8 million? And then in terms of cap hit, you're paying 4 to $5 million to Austin Hooper. So we're coming in four under. So it's not really even close to a question of, can you afford it? Yes. But then you've got other expenses. you got to figure out what you're doing with Brian Balaga, et cetera, et cetera. It is, it's still expensive. And you also have, it's not just a matter of 2020. you got to figure out how this money factors in with everybody else. Because there's a lot of, I mean, these free agency moves affect the future as well, especially when you figure, you know, we played this game last year was Darius came in low and Preston came in low and Amos came in low. But these guys cap hits are about to explode some of them already have and so how does austin hooper's massive contract now jive with preston and zadarius and amos and billy turner's new massive contracts that have all gone up and aaron Rodgers' massive contract that's gone up and Devontae's massive contract that's gone up which is another problem with free agency you got to factor all that in whereas if you get a rookie you got four years of relatively low cost which obviously is going to help out when you've got these large contracts you got to navigate through and if we pay Brian Balaga that's another one that's going to explode by probably next year usually the second year it's about at average so you come in about a third of what the average is in the first year the second year you're at about that average so Austin Hooper be at you know 9 10 11 million dollars somewhere in there in second year and then in the third year it would be like 13 14 million dollars so it, it starts to explode but also the guarantees start to fall off so it becomes one of those things where the cap hit is huge but if it's not working out, we could probably just cut you. And if it is working out, then you'll be worth the money anyway. So we'll keep you. And, and by that time, the salary cap has gone up 10%. So we're now at uh, two, uh, $220 million. So your average is still at about 11 or maybe a little less. So expensive but doable. And in reality, I think it, it would be about the same as what we paid Jimmy Graham in terms of um, you know comparing the amount of cost. And, you know, we know that they were willing to pay Jimmy Graham that much, so would they be willing to pay Austin that much? You would think so. But, again, different situation, different year, different philosophies. They've learned and grown, and, you know, I don't know where they're at right now with this. And also, they really like Jace. So my hunch is no. They don't want to spend that much money on a tight end, I don't think, which is a good thing because we need to stop doing that. As much as Austin might come in and be a great tight end, possibly, maybe, I don't know. We've said that I don't know how many times now, right? Jared Cook's going to be great. He wasn't. I mean, he was down the stretch, but he was terrible during the regular season. Jimmy Graham's going to be great. Mercedes Lewis is going to be great. Martellus Bennett is going to be great. Nobody's been great. So I'm, I'm fine with maybe doing something, but relying heavily on Jace stepping up and being the guy. I'm, I'm good with that plan. But it's out there, and it is affordable, and they can do it if they want to. Uh, they just have to do some finagling with the uh, finances, not just this year, but in the future. Anyways, I think that's enough for today. Again, I barely scratched the surface. I think I'm adding more to my list than I'm actually getting off in a day. 
been very ranty lately. Sorry for the, the nerd out session, but you know, I, I, I just want to clarify things because you spend probably a lot of time on social media as well. You see a lot of this stuff, and I want to clarify what exactly is going on because although things that people are saying are technically true, in the correct context, it looks a lot different, and I just want to bring you that context. But anyways, you folks, enjoy your Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.